Okay, hello, this is hello, hello, hello. Hello. Welcome back to Well Articulated Podcast. Um, so we've got Jessica, Dr. Tierski, Dr. Caraba, Brian, oh, and yeah. myself, Harry Ruther. Hello, hello. And we're just going to kind of jump right into it. So right before we were talking a bit about kind of the last year rounding out dental school and what do you do after that? Um, I'm myself going into that experience right now and uh, May is approaching. <laughs> we're already hitting, we have our last time we're gonna sign up for classes in just a couple months. So I think those gears are starting to turn and uh, I myself know that I wanna stay in the city of Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, it's easy, my family's there, and I know there are supposedly more opportunities. <laughs> so, especially with what I've been hearing is a lot of dentists are retiring um, because of COVID and everything. Wow. And how much that's leaving this gap that is ready for my class. <laughs> <laughs> just your class. Maybe we just yeah, right after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think every class, you know, they, they all have their different things. Back in the 80s and 90s, you know, people were building out practices. And, you know, nowadays it's a lot of corporate-run stuff, you know. So it's, it's harder to compete with that as a solo individual, you know. So things have totally changed since well, we graduated school. Um, when I graduated back in the 90s, you know, that was basically you could you could plumb it out, you could put four or five operatories in a storefront and get that thing going. Um, my dad, when he graduated in 1968, um, he actually had about, um, he had seven dental offices within his career. So he kept on building the dental practice and getting an associate in there flipping that thing and going to a different area. So there's different ways that they were doing it years ago, but now our hands are well tied, you know, with the corporate entities and the insurance companies and stuff. So mentorship and leadership is really important. And I, that's that's I where agree. we're at. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, and I appreciate that Brian said when we graduated, pointing at me, but he graduated in the 90s, I graduated in the 80s, so thank you, thank you. Um, When I graduated in 1986, um, our biggest concern, there was a concern, there were too many students, there were too many students graduating, so there was a concern, but really our choice was either opening an office, which was a very viable option if you had the money or someone you know could borrow the money, uh, or where you were going to get an associateship. Those were the two um, really choices at that time. Opening your own office, going to work for someone. Um, were there GPRs and stuff? There were. There, yeah, yeah, so yeah there was still there the program. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, come on, it wasn't with the dinosaurs. I, I don't know. No, I'm just, I, I was thinking OS <laughs> yeah, at no, the time and GPR stuff. GPR was also a one-year yeah. option that okay. some people did, although that was very limited. There weren't a lot of those yeah. available. So, um, I remember knowing that I, you know, I wanted to be an associate for someone for, you know, various reasons. I was going to law school, so I had some unique reasons for not wanting to uh, buy a practice at that point. And I was very lucky. I got a call uh, during my senior year of dental school from someone looking for an associate, uh, Milt Salzer, who many of us 
know, and he was my mentor. Editor of the Illinois State Dental Society, you know, yeah, Sals. That's exactly right. And he, I mean, I, that was like a, a gift uh, that he called me. Um, and, and I worked for him for, for many years. But the, the, the point is, so those were our, um, what we were dealing with. Now, what Jessica, um, you know, what you two are, are dealing with, are a little bit different choices as to whether you're going to be able to find a practice to buy from someone my age retiring or a corporate you know larger type practice and so it's 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 a it's a difficult um situation i think and I oh okay. I, sorry i'm jumping on this but the, the the big big situation is the older type offices too and the new technology that that we're teaching so a lot of practices you know they 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 really haven't jumped into the new technology because some of this technology is is fairly expensive so um you know you're talking C, uh, cdts you're talking in uh, cab cams and stuff these things are six digits they're 100 grand a piece so um yeah it's great being taught this stuff at an educational level but some um some practices you know depending on the demographics and stuff you know they might not have that type of equipment so you know some of the, the other offices and low middle income might be more archaic than what you're used to so um, those are the challenges of stuff too and we're talking about adaptation before adapting to certain things because you know dentistry is adapting to a lot of things and there are options and that's why I always talk about that option A and giving me a B and a C. I don't care what type of filling you're doing. I want you to have that that base and the liner out. You know, I don't know if that decay is going to go deeper than it is. You know, so always have your options set up because you never know if life's going to go as planned. You know, fillings and cavities don't go as planned. Patient treatment plans don't go as planned. So, you know, that's why our course of action as dentists a lot, as we talked about, we're practiced and we're practiced human beings too. You know, so that's that's such a blessing about dentistry is, you know, treating people and learning ourselves more too. So yeah. I just went off even, on tangents, I always do. <laughs> even me, you know, starting my second year of dental school, I've had a lot of time to just think about what would my future look like in the next few years because, what, I have three years left, and before I know it, three years is pretty quick. It goes by pretty fast. Even my first year flew by. Um, but I've had, like, a lot of, you know, talk with myself. I'm like, okay, like, when I graduate, like, do I work for somebody for a year? Because I definitely see myself opening up my own practice. Like, I definitely have that motivation. Um, and I have my family, thankfully, to like help me with that. You know, they're business type people, which is really nice. My mom's a commercial broker, like she does very well with that business. So it's like, I know she's gonna down the line. She's gonna want me to open up my own practice. So, you know, as like a newly fresh, you know, hopefully when I do graduate, like how do I go about that? Like, do you guys, have you guys ever experienced owning your own practice and like, how did you guys how long did you wait and how long did you wait yeah, yeah. That's a good question. the funniest thing you know it's not funny but it's it's the the reality of it you know with dentistry four years of dental school is what you need to learn how to treat patients exactly and people get an mba in four years so you know to learn how to run a practice within dental school is impossible you know, because you got to learn how to be a doctor, to treat people right, to get a skill set, to get those patient management skills. Mm -hmm. So that's the difficult thing about it. You get thrown into it. 
basically. You know, I jumped in my dad's practice, fortunately, and I wanted to be go OS. And that would have been a five-year program. You know, I would have had more debt. I would have been older, you know, so there would have been more debt at an older age. I would have started my life later, you know, so I had a decision. So I was one of the youngest ones in my class. I graduated at 24 years old, so, you know, I jumped in dad's practice and I learned a lot of oral surgery in that practice because I was low to middle income. Um, but I was very blessed because he. I learned good and bad from him. You know, the first two years, he, he was basically my boss, and he showed me the ropes. He showed me what bills to pay, uh, what was coming in. Um, he didn't show me much about employment and FICA and all that stuff because we only had one employee that was there half the time. But, you know, stuff like that I learned on my own on the third and fourth year after he left. So the third year, we made a transition. I was actually the... Um, the owner of the business and then he was my associate so that worked out pretty well um, because he was there to save me when I snapped a tooth and he could take a, a root out for me if I needed to or you know if something was more complicated that I couldn't do and needed a little more help and guidance he was there for me uh, but when he left in 98 uh, three years after I graduated it was you know it was good and bad you know he I grew the practice a different way than his ideas were and I just digitized you know, we got a computer, we got a fax machine, we got a copy machine, and uh, we got employees. So those were things I had to learn on my own because there's taxes you have to pay for employees. You know, you got FICA taxes, you got to, you know, worry about liability insurances, disability insurances. You know, there's a lot of coverage that you got to make sure because as a professional and you're taking care of people and their oral cavity and their health, you got to be covered insurance-wise, you know. So there's a lot of insurances that we got to make sure we're covered with too. So I was very fortunate in my first year. I got out of dental school. Sorry, I keep on rolling. I want to hear everyone else's stories too. But I was very fortunate, and I, I advise this to everyone: is um, my aunt gave me a name of a financial advisor. And that first year I got out of dental school, I saw a financial advisor, and. Being a dentist, I'm like, why Why am I doing this? I'm a doctor. You know, I'm going to have money. I'll be fine. Yeah, that was the, the worst thought process I, I had at that time. So what that a financial advisor basically laid out for me is like he basically told me to write down my meals, my gas, every expenditure I had for a year. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm a doctor. Come on. It was the best thing I did because he basically laid it out for me. He's like, now you got this for retirement, you got this to invest in, you got this for yourself. So I highly recommend, some, you know, get someone you can trust. There's some people, any profession, you know, there's some people you can't trust, but I had someone that I trusted dearly. It was a reference from my aunt and he did well for her. So I hope you find good professionals in your life and trustworthy professionals because there are people that will take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it's a family recommendation or a dear friend that gives you a good referral because us as dentists have to rely on our own. We're not out of a union. We don't work for a union that's basically after 25, 30 years that will give us a package of retirement. We don't get that. We have to make our own retirement packages. So it's a little more difficult as doctors because we have to watch our own back mm -hmm. and we still have to create family and we still have a lot of other things to worry about. So 
that in a nutshell is kind of what I think about with this corporation and for us to have a life for ourselves after dental school it's really important that we watch you know our budget our limitations and do the next right thing for the next right person because in my heart of hearts if you do the right thing for the next right person you'll be put in a good place and the money don't matter you'll be fine mm -hmm. if you if you're always looking for that money you ain't gonna be fine. You're always gonna be working your tail off looking for that extra dollar. Mm -hmm. So that's what I gotta throw out there. What else you got? After that, I think I think that you know Brian brings up a lot of very very good and valid points. I think the bottom line is dentistry is a profession, but you also have to run a business, and there is such a continuum of you know different practice models uh you may i know people have a some have a very small practice they're very happy couple employees and then you know the vast range goes all the way up to uh, some of these bigger corporate practices or multi-specialty practices i think i think the point is you have to um go into a situation that you're comfortable with and I totally agree with Brian, you know, money cannot and should not be the motivating factor. And in speaking with both of you, I can tell that that is not what is motivating you. I mean, you obviously, it, you will be, you will do well. It's, it's a nice profession, but it's not what the motivating factor is. It's not why you be, are becoming dentists for the money. So that's a good thing. Um, but you know there are dentists that are my age i heard of a practice that's for sale right now a small practice he's he's a few years older than i am he does not even have a computer he is still mm. on the pegboard which i you probably don't even know what a pegboard is it's like no. literally <laughs> handwriting like the bills and like what you're charging the patient and there is a practice right now that I heard about that's for sale, but this practice is not even computerized. And so um, for the, you know, the dentists in, in my age group, um, and, and my practice, by the way, I have a relatively small practice. I only work a couple days a week. So when I go to sell mine, I mean, I, I don't have any multi-million dollar practice to sell, but it's a nice practice and I've been very happy and comfortable with never, um, money was never really the motivating factor for me. I guess the point is when you get out, and you know, corporate dentistry was not an option at, uh, in 1986. So a lot of uh, folks my uh, age are selling their practices to the bigger corporations and working for them in some cases because they don't want to deal with the business aspect. You don't have to deal with the business aspect anymore. You, you, you give that now, I'm not, you know, saying one way or the other how I feel about that, but the point is the business aspect is something that a lot of us are trained to do and mm -hmm. don't know how to do that part. And so it's, it's kind of a whole, it's, it's, dentistry is a wonderful profession, but it, it, it entails all kinds of things. You have to be a business yeah. person as well as a dentist. You know, and so um, I think I... You got to have good street smarts with you if you want to run a good business, you know, because right. we started with one employee then. Fortunately, when I sold three years ago, we had 24 employees, so we kind of grew it a little differently, and we uh, expanded it out to two locations. We had four chairs at... Uh, we developed a second location, seven chairs, so we were running 11 chairs, so... 
we just had the moxie you know some people have the moxie to grow and keep the business rolling and some people just want to be in a smaller space so we just looked at it as uh you know our family a lot of our people a lot of our teammates had uh, family too and we we're paying paying them to feed their family so it was such a wonderful way to look at a family practice because all the families that were coming to see us but we were a family with inside the family we spent more time with ourselves at times than we did with our own family on some weeks so you know family practice to me goes a, a lot of different ways so once again I'm tangenting but we're talking about after dental school and stuff and I I know Jessica was a little concerned that she's going up a couple levels in school she's going a second year and she's get she's got the patience coming up but she does have some uh, experience with uh, assisting and stuff like that so I don't think it'll be that difficult of a transition because you've seen it Exactly. You know, some people that haven't seen it, I think that that would be a little more difficult that, you know, just raw. It's like, oh, here it comes. But you know what's nice about, like, having that experience under my belt is I've seen the good days and I've seen the bad days. And a lot of dental students that have not gone into practice, sure, they've shadowed, you know, whatever. But, like, being there and being within that moment when it's really peak high, like, oh, something just happened. Like, we need to think fast or we need to do something quickly. Like, learning the different techniques that the dentists do to make sure that the situation is, you know, in good hands and everything is okay and you get through it smoothly, it's just good to, you know, experience a day-to-day basis working consistently mm-hmm. at a clinic, you know? And I think it's a blessing in disguise that I've experienced those days. I've, you know, been able to see it firsthand how to, like, you know, go about it from start to finish and, you know, different ways of, you know, making a situation go from bad to like better you know so mm. i'm really blessed and you're describing an eight to ten hour day a lot of people that go into practice you know if Actually, they just want to check like yeah 12, oh, okay hours. so you're, you're talking a <laughs> so day i was working from like you're six, talking a, a day sometimes 6 30 a.m all the way till 8 p.m some like people <laughs> that go into the office that want yeah. to observe the office going for an hour or two. Oh yeah it's like nothing. you can't observe an That's office like, in what? an hour or two you know, you need that, that you 10, that. 12 hours, yeah. or you need that consistency, like mm-hmm. you say, to really get that feel of, For like what you're you doing, know, yeah. the, the levels, the, the pressure levels, you know, the management levels, the stress levels, you know. There's so many roller coaster rides you take throughout yeah. that day. But some people show up to the dental office, oh, I saw a dental office, I was there for an hour. Yeah. Like, okay, what did you get out of that? Yeah, <laughs> so no, but even like learning about like the rubber dam for the first time, that's the first time I've ever seen it. Yeah. And mm. you know, like I've gone to different dentists before, I've never seen them use it before. Okay. Like, you know, a lot of people don't use it, and you, it's like, okay, you're taught in dental school, like, this is so important. You get like points taken off during your practicals, like, you need this, right? <laughs> so, it's crazy, like, to see how different people run their practices differently, and you know, to each their own, of course, like. You know, that's the risk you're willing to take. Take it, you know, like everybody does their practice differently. There's so certain quality of cares and definitely. there's different philosophies and hopefully exactly. every, hopefully they had good education or treating their patients properly. Right. Yes, of course. The beautiful thing about dentistry. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's made up of so many different aspects and, and, you know, doesn't fit into one mold and you, no pun intended, but, um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's nice. It's yeah. different, uh, different choices. Yeah, different it's a choices. great, it's a great 
Awesome topic. This was 19 minutes plus, so we have to end this one. Do you want to end it, Harry? Uh, are we just uh, gonna keep well, up? We'll see what I end up with when I eventually graduate. <laughs> but I hope I don't, I don't know if I'll find. We'll figure something uh, out. We'll figure something you'll, you'll be fine right here. Podcast. I hope I landed a job. <laughs> <laughs> Someone will reach out. Let me know if you're hiring. That's so <laughs> you'll be under my wing. You'll be fine. <laughs> and if it goes bad, that'd be a good segue into our next conversation on mental health. <laughs> See you for that. <laughs>